Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. You know, when I was a, a freshman in high school, I signed up to play football, and I had never played organized football until my freshman year of high school. And I signed up for the Friday Night Lights. That's what I was interested in, you know. And uh, I didn't realize I was signing up for other things. I didn't know they existed. But I signed up for two other things I was not aware of and didn't really like them. And one of them was the amount of training. And uh, we had to be out there every night in June, ruined every night, every night in July, had to train, run in the heat. And then in August, they did these two-a-days. And we had to be there at 7 a.m. We had to have all our pads and all our football uniforms on the field by eight, and they ran us like crazy and made us hit each other and do all these things till noon. That was my favorite time because we were allowed to shower and have lunch. Then we went through playbooks, and then they walked us through plays in an air-conditioned gym. That was awesome. But then at 1.30, they said, go get dressed, boys. And then we had to put on all those sweaty, sloppy clothes, everything back on, go out from about 2 o'clock till about 6.30. And at the end of the night, they, ran all, they made you run all these sprints before they let you go. And if they weren't happy, they kept running you. So then I'd shower and I'd go home. I'd jump in our swimming pool. I couldn't wait. And then I ate half a watermelon. That's all I could do. I couldn't eat anything. I was ate half a watermelon every single night during two a days. And I think I slept through the night. If I ate a half a watermelon now, ooh, I'd be up 12 times uh, during the night, you know. But thank God for those young bladders, right? Wish we had those back. Now, um, <laughs> I didn't sign up for that training, you know. I didn't know that it came with that. Um, and then something else I didn't sign up for uh, was it destroyed my social life. You know, the summer between my seventh and eighth grade year, um, I went to all the festivals. My favorites were the Greek festival. Italian fest didn't exist yet. But Mount Carmel Church in Niles, they had this incredible festival. They had the best sausage and pepper sandwiches ever. And I did all that with my friends. And we, we loved to sleep out in our backyard. So we'd sleep out in the summer two, three times a week. And a couple of our neighbors would sleep out with us. And we'd be up till 4, 5 a.m. in the morning, just cutting up, having a great time. Get on our bikes and go to a 24-hour grocery store. My mom didn't know that part. And uh, buy a bunch of junk and, and uh, come back. And, and then you could sleep till noon. It didn't matter. I had no social life. Everything I did that was fun I couldn't do when I signed up to play football. And I realized that if you want to compete in anything in the natural, uh, it's going to affect your social life, and it's going, to, it's going to affect time that you put in for training. And I want to welcome you to Gold. If you weren't here uh, last week, I'm so excited you're here. This is lesson two. And we thought, let's wrap a series in the Olympics. And we have all these incredible athletes training, some of them over half their life, some of them almost all their life. Some of them start out at two years old. Can you imagine? And then they compete in the Olympics at 16. That's mind-blowing. And, uh, and they win gold, some of them. And, and they're doing all this for a natural uh, gold medal, which is okay. And I thought, well, we're in a race. Let's compare their race with our race, and let's fire all of us up to, to do a little bit of spiritual training, get into spiritual gym, and, and then also to run our race. So that's what this is all about. And I want to show you a clip. This is Gabby Douglas. She, she's on the girls' gymnastic team this year. But in 2012, Gabby won the gold for the, the women's individual all around. She won the gold medal. And this was the routine that sealed it for her. It's her floor routine. And I look at this routine. I just want you to notice, I want you to notice all the tumbles and all the flips. I could do some of it like I could do this part. You know, uh, I may not win gold for it, but I could at least do that. 
But it's the tumbling that I just look at it and I say, how in the world can a human being not only tumble, but then they twist a couple times before they hit the ground. It's mind blowing. And I want you to just watch this and I want to talk about her training routine. What do you have to do to do that, right? I mean, she was 16. That's amazing, 16 years old. She started when she was about two, and she put in about 40 hours a week. Think about that. And uh, the gymnasts, they, they, they categorize them one to 10, categories one to 10. And once you hit a 10, the next category is elite. And if you're elite, then you can go to the Olympic tryouts. And so she had to do that routine and over and over and over again. Think about it, 40 hours a week. And... Think about what she gave up. It amazes me. Um, she gave up her entire social life. You know, she was homeschooled her whole life. And, and not only was she homeschooled, she had no social life whatsoever. She lived in a gym. But she did it to obtain a gold medal. Now, I'm so happy that God doesn't expect us to put 40 hours a week into spiritual things because we couldn't make a living, right? And God knows that. But I look and I think we're in a race. And Lord, am I giving it my all for what you've called me to do, like Gabby gave her all there. And we're going to talk about that today. And man, if you're here, I'm so excited you're here. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would love to have peace that just floods up inside you all day long, no matter what's going on in your life, some crazy event, something? How many of you would just like to be flooded with peace? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be absolutely incredible? How about to have inner strength just bubble up inside of you and have all this inner strength? Wouldn't that be cool? How about this? How about to have the hand of God, the hand of blessing on your life? I call it magooing it. Remember Mr. Magoo? Some of you know him from the movies, but we grew up on the cartoons. He was blind as a bat, but you know what? The guy always came out on top, and someone would try to kill him, and just when they swung the sword, he'd, he'd bow his head, and they'd miss him. He always, always ended up on top, and I really believe God wants to help us magoo it through life to where uh, no matter what happens, God opens another door. God gives us another opportunity, and the hand of God and his blessing. God helps us escape. That's what God wants to do for every one of us. And I don't think there's one person in this room that doesn't want that. 
And I just want to show you how you can have it. And here's, here's what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever today. This is what I want to get across. What you live for is what you live with. And that's just a creative way of saying whatever you sow, you reap. You know, the Bible says there's this principle called sowing and reaping. And this week I'm talking about this side of heaven. Last week I talked about that side of heaven. But it's the most amazing principle. In Galatians, here's what God said. He said, I am not mocked. And you think, well, God, people try to mock you. He says, nobody can mock me. Nobody can put it over. I mean, here's what he said. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. He says, if you sow spiritual, we reap spiritual. And here's all God's saying. I set this earth up so that we live in the harvest of what we, what we live for. And that's pretty awesome because if we can turn that around for our benefit and say, all right, God, I'm, I'm going to do some spiritual routines so I can live with that fruit. And I'm going to enjoy this earth, but I'm going to make sure I put some time into God. And that's what I want you to walk away understanding today. And this world, good things in this world constantly try to pull me over and constantly try to flood my heart. And I figure if it's doing it to me, all of us have to be reminded of these particular things. So let's make sure we're all on track. 1 Corinthians 9.24, listen to what the Bible says. It says, in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. Every Christian has a race that God's called us to run. It's individual, but there's a main principle to your race. So I just want to make sure you understand what your race is, because here's the idea. We want to win. How do you win? Well, your race is over when you die. Then you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he's either going to say, well done, man. You did an incredible job. Give me five. Or he's going to say, you could have done better. And, and if you did really well, you see, we don't go to heaven by work, so we get in there because we believed in Jesus. But if you did really well, he's going to give you treasures. He's going to give you rewards. It's going to be incredible. Those are eternal. Those, those last forever. And there are going to be people in heaven that are at different levels. We all get there by grace and through faith. But you know, the Bible says some people that are first here will be last there. To be first here means you either have prestige or you've got lots of money, uh, you're important. But he says you can be, he says many that are first here will be last for all of eternity. And then he said many that are last here will be first for all of eternity. And I like this one. You can be first here and first there. It's just all about running your race, right? So here's what it means to run your race. Our race is to love and live for Jesus. Now, every one of you in this room loves Jesus. If, if you accepted him as your savior, you love him. Every Christian in the world loves Jesus. And, and yet there's a shallow love and there's a deep love. Here's the shallow love. Jesus, thank you so much. You saved my soul. I get to go to heaven when I die. Mwah, mwah, mwah. I love you, Jesus. And then we can walk away from, from him for months. But if someone said, do you love Jesus? I, I love Jesus. I've talked to Christians that are so far away from God and they'll look at me and say, I love Jesus. And I say, I don't doubt that, but there's a deeper love. And I'm talking about what Jesus said. Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your will, all your emotion. Listen to this, all your strength. That's the first and most important commandment. And I have to grow in that. I have to keep adjusting myself to love them at that level. But when you love something more than anything else in the world, can we all agree we want to spend some time with that? that person, and, and we, we want to be around that person, and, and that's part of your race, just loving Jesus crazily. My parents are both 88 years old, and uh, 
I love them so much, and my schedule's so crazy that I found I wasn't able to see them even once a week. So I, did, I just made a radical change in my schedule, and on Thursday mornings, I get up extra early so I can do my spiritual routines, and then I get over to their house about 7.30, and I have coffee with them till 8.30 or so, and then I drive to the office for a 9 o'clock meeting. And the reason I do that, I get up really early so I can do that, and I do my spiritual routine first, is because they're important to me. And here's what I discovered. When something's important to us and we really love someone, we'll make room in our schedule for them. And that's part of your race, to love him. And then to live for Jesus just simply means, Jesus, I love you so, so much. How can I help you expand your kingdom? And and 99% of Christians will do that by volunteering in a church. 1% of you will volunteer for what I call parachurch organizations, ministries, and that's really cool. But the majority of you will volunteer in church and it's just as simple as saying, hey, what, what are my gifts? What, what can I do? And you just help out and, and you volunteer. And we have incredible volunteers here at Believer's Church. And guess what I do? I volunteer. Years ago, I thought, you know what? This is my day job. I get paid to do God. So, I mean, obviously I get paid. This is easy to do. I'm paid for it. And I thought, what, what can I do to volunteer? So I, I hooked up with a minister's uh, organization, a church organization that we help pastors, and I'm one of their leaders, and I do conference calls with the leadership, but I call pastors, and I mentor pastors, and I go teach pastors, but I don't get paid a cent for any of it. I don't do it on the church time, and I feel really good doing it because I'm helping God expand his kingdom. And I, I figure if I'm asking people to volunteer here, I, I, I have a day job, but I better help, and I better do some volunteering too. That's your race. My race is everything I do. I get paid for some of it. I volunteer for some of it. Your race is unique, but it's just helping God do whatever God wants to do. And listen to what the Bible says in verse 25, the next verse. It says, to win the contest or your race, you must deny yourself many things. Not everything, but there's some things you just say, I don't have enough time for that. I need to give God some time. That would keep you from doing your best. So all of us can get in a race and do okay, but we want to do our best. And then he says, an athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup. Now it's gold medals. But we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. And that is absolutely awesome. You're going to have it forever. The gold medal is only good for here. When, when Gabby gets up to heaven, I think of LeBron James and those guys. When Gabby gets up to heaven, I think God will say, give me a high five. That was an incredible gold routine. But he can't give her any rewards for it, right? Uh, LeBron, great job, man. I'm glad you brought the championship to Northeast Ohio. You made Pastor Joe really happy. Good job, LeBron. And, 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 and that's all cool, but there's no rewards connected to it. And, and, and so we want to do something that's going to bring a reward. So in chapter 10, the Bible talks about Israel when they came out of Egypt, and it says, hey, there's four things that took them out of their race. Make sure they don't take you out of their race. So we want to go through all four. Today, I'm just dealing with the first one. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 6. Now, these things happened as examples for us, so we wouldn't crave evil things just as they, the children of Israel, did. Verse 7, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And in the Old Testament, idolatry is just worshiping idols. And of course, I don't think there's a Christian on planet earth that would ever worship an idol. That's not an issue. But when it comes into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Romans to Revelations, the Bible teaches us that idol worship is 
when anything is more important to us than God, when we put anything above him. And I'll show you scripture, Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, won't touch those today. And listen to this, and greed, which is idolatry. And this is the first of many places where we find out we don't have to bow down and worship a statue. What's greed? Greed is when you, you love money more than you love God, you love money more than people. And guess what? You can love anything more than God. That's why John said this, 1 John 5.21, he said this, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Now, there's anything that can take his place. And when something takes his place, first place in our hearts, then we've gotten into idol worship. And what does that do? Well, it won't send you to hell, but you, you won't run your race. And so there's no rewards, no treasures. And that's what this section of scripture is all about. Uh, just like Gabby had to give some things up. Just like when, when you play sports and I played sports, we have to give some things up. That's all this is talking about. So listen, guys, I stand before you as Pastor Joe, but I'm also Joe the Christian, okay? So I've got this pastor thing down. I'm a disciplined pastor. I mean, I preach my message every morning of the week that I'm going to preach the next week. I am very disciplined. I come up here ready to go, but I'm also Joe the Christian. And I want to tell you something. This world keeps trying to pull me away from the spiritual disciplines I need to do to be really good. Uh, my personal disciplines, to, to love God with all my heart and do all those things. And so just like you, I have to keep readjusting my life. So I don't want you to sit here and be condemned. If your pastor is dealing with this, all of us are dealing with it, right? So I have a couple things, and you're, some of you are going to say, oh, he's one of them guys, um, that, that I can really consume myself with. One of them is cable news. I don't know why. I can watch three hours a night if I let myself. And it's kind of silly if you think about it, because they're all covering the same news, but I want to hear what this person says, and this person, and this person. I can become consumed, and then I get mad at everybody that's you know, that the news is talking about, and, and, and I have to hold that back. So I say, I'm just going to watch an hour at most. I just want to know what's happening That's, so I can pray about it. Uh, but I'll find myself three hours. I'll just fall right into it like crazy. And then I like different TV shows. My TV shows are always action slash a little sci-fi. And I could watch 20 of them a week if I let myself. So I got to say, no, one's all I'm going to do. And then sports, I can just consume myself with sports. But I just watch every Ohio State game and don't have to worry about the Browns. I start watching and walk away and say, ah, oh, I'm going to break the TV if I keep watching this game. Um, uh, so if you're a Browns fan, you won't have to worry about, you know, getting into sports too much. And, uh, but we're rebuilding. We will win the Super Bowl someday. Okay, right? Yay, Browns fans. All right. So I'm constantly adjusting. And for you, it may have nothing to do with what I have to deal with. It could be something totally different. It could be activities. Whatever it is, uh, I just constantly have to adjust myself. And that's what we're talking about. That's what idol worship is. That's what Gabby did so she could win gold. And you and I are going to have to make some adjustments, give God some time. So I want to talk about a routine, an exercise. And you can go into God's gym and do it. Really, really simple. And uh, us pastors, we say, I don't want to teach that. God is so simple. But then God says, well, you struggle with it, Joe. You get out of the habit. You need to teach this. If you're getting out of the habit, other people need to hear it. So uh, here it is. It's Bible reading and listening. <laughs> And uh, I'm not talking Pastor Joe, I'm talking Joe the Christian. So uh, I've made this part of my life. I, um, I wake up Monday through Friday, every morning, 
The first thing I do, I don't even shower first because I figure God can't smell me. And uh, so the first, first thing I do is, is I read my Bible. I have a little program. I, I, I read so much a week because it's that important, or a day, it's that important to me, guys. And I'm going to show you why. And then listening is just, you know, I listen to a bunch of other preachers. I just listen to tons of preachers because when they teach, this, the word of God's getting in me too. And I just make sure I put as much of it in me as possible. It, it's, it's not punishment. You know, some people think reading the Bible is like, you've been a bad boy, go in your room and read the Bible for 15 minutes. Man, at first it's tough, but once you get into it, you become addicted. It's just like exercise. So let me tell you, um, there was a day in my life where I was addicted to exercise, and then I wasn't addicted, and then I was addicted to carbs, and now I'm trying to, you know, now, now I'm trying to um, be addicted to exercise again. So this morning I wanted to work out before church, but I also want to go grocery shopping after church. Gina and I, you know, we share the household things. And, and uh, so I do the grocery shopping and I love it. I'm OCD. So I have this master list it's, and I have everything three, four deep. And, and so I thought I have to get up early, but I also have to get up early enough to work out. So, so I went through and did all that so I can grocery shop after church. And, and then I said, all right, I'm going to work out. But I didn't have enough time for a full workout. So I did what I, this Tabata workout, which is, uh, I did it on a stationary bike in my basement. 20 seconds as fast as you can, 10 second coast. 20 seconds as fast as you can, 10 second coast. And, and I did eight sets of that, about four and a half minutes. But it's really, it just energized you. Well, let me tell you, I was sitting thinking, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. It was such a fight. Tomorrow, you guys know the feeling, right? Tomorrow. But after I did it, I was so glad. I was like, and my shirt said, thank you, Joe, we can breathe. And my pants said, thanks for the room, Joe. And uh, the next person I sat, sat next to on a plane is going to say, thank you, Joe, for working out. And, uh, but I felt so good after I did it. And, and, and I know, because I, I know I was addicted to exercise. My, my goal is I'm going to do that again. But let me tell you, guys, listen, listen, listen. That's how the Bible is. I can't wait to read it in the morning because it, it does things inside you that are absolutely crazy, supernatural things. And, and once you do it in the life of God and the peace of God and the strength of God, it's just amazing the fruit that it produces. But man, at first, it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this, but it begins to change your life. I talked to a guy in the lobby after first service, and he, here's what he told me. And he wasn't bragging. He said, you know, Pastor Joe, I've been doing this for years. I get up at 3.45 a.m. I have to be at work at 5. I get up at 3.45 a.m. so I can read my Bible every morning. He was telling me about his plan. And I just, I, I just had to give him a high five. I said, that, that's incredible. But he looked at me and says, I can't wait to do it. I can't wait. And, I, and that's addiction. And we need to be addicted to something like that, something really good. So uh, let's talk about this a little further. I want to show you what Jesus said. He gave us this parable called the parable of the sower. And... Uh, he talked about four types of Christians. So if you've accepted Christ, you're going to fit into one of these four categories. And we're just going to look at three and four. And three is someone that gets into idolatry. They, they become consumed with this world. So let's read three, and then I want to read four. Three reads like this. It reads, Mark 4, 18. The authority ground represents the hearts of a Christian who listens to the good news, the Bible, and receives it, but all too quickly, the attractions of this world and the delights of wealth, and the search for success, uh, and, and lure, lure of nice things come in and crowd out God's message from their hearts. Here's the saddest part in all the world. So 
that no crop is produced. The crop is the Bible gets in you and changes everything. It, it produces life and fruit. It's amazing. And, and these poor Christians go through life without the power, the life, the fruit, the peace of God. They're not magooing it. And it's just like, I feel bad for them. And, and I want you to just notice what happened. The world just lured them over. And unlike me and unlike most of you, they just didn't make that adjustment when they needed to. And then they get so far into the world, it's like now, now they need someone to help them, someone close to them, and they need God to just shake them up. And I'm believing some, some of you, a few of you, not very few of you, but I'm believing God's going to make this a day that your life changes forever because these poor people aren't feeding on the Bible and it's not allowed to do what God created it to do and there's no fruit. And, and I've watched, you know, I've, I've pastored believers now for 33 years. I started the church with my wife, Gina, 33 years. And can I tell you the saddest thing in the world? It's the most sad thing ever. It's when someone that was living for God stops living for God. I'm not talking about someone leaving and going to another church. That's fine. I'm talking about someone that just stops going to church. And it's the world. Sometimes they come in poor and God blesses them. And then their, their prosperity keeps them out of church because they just have so many toys they can't make church or whatever it is. All kinds of things. And that makes me more sad. So part of my prayer life is God put a desire in them to live for you again. Because here's why. They're going to get up there and not have rewards and treasures. And I want them to have rewards and treasures. Because, man, when, when we're up there, I, I want to I see you blessed by God. So look at the next type, verse 20. It says, but the good soil, that's a Christian who doesn't get lured in, uh, represents the hearts of those who truly accept God's message and produce a plentiful harvest for God. I like this 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as was planted in their hearts. So the Bible is meant to grow inside you and consume you and change you from the inside out. And people that feed on it, they produce all this God fruit. It's the most incredible thing in all the world. So just like Gabby had to really get in the gym, man, our gym is fun. Wait till next week. I'm going to show you. Uh, I'm going to show you this exercise next week, it's, it's, it's my favorite thing in all the world. I, I, I like it better than anything. Wait till you see it next week. And, and, but the Bible and reading it, man, it's the most amazing thing too, guys. And it changes us from the inside out. So I, I want to leave you with one more scripture. You ready? Let's read this. This is how supernatural the Bible is. If you can put it in you, you are going to change. And uh, it goes like this, 2 Timothy 3.16. Every part of scripture is God breathed. That means it comes out of God's mouth. Hebrews 4.12 says this, the Bible is alive. It's living. Now, there's no other book. There's a lot of great books, but there's no other book that's alive except the Bible. It's actually alive. So all these different people wrote different books of the Bible, but here's how they wrote them. The Holy Spirit told them what to write down, and they wrote it down. So it's not their words. It's God's word. And then God took what they wrote and he laced it with life. And every time you and I read it, it gets inside of us and it begins to do these incredible things and it allows us to walk in peace when the world's falling apart around us. It allows us to have joy. It allows us to have God's strength and it changes us and makes us more godly. It's the most amazing thing ever. So we can run our race and do everything God's called us to do. But if you don't get that in there, the Holy Spirit doesn't have much to work for. I call it the building block of God changing us from the inside out. So notice what, what it goes on to say. It, it says this, and it's useful one way or another or in many ways, showing us truth. 
The Bible is the standard for our lives. And we live in a world that's constantly telling us, this is the standard, that's the standard. And you read the Bible, it's like, oh, that, that's what it, oh, wow, God, thank you. That, that's what it is. And then the Holy Spirit just deals with you and says, yeah, that's the truth. You need to live it. And then notice this, exposing our rebellion. You guys hear a lot of stories from me. I don't know why. I have no idea. Maybe because I was a middle child and got all hand-me-downs. I don't know what it is. But, but I have a rebel streak in me. And, and uh, I don't know why I was born that way. And I'm reading the Bible this week. And I'm just doing my morning Bible reading as Christian Joe, not Pastor Joe. And I'm just reading. And, and I'm reading 1 Samuel. And I'm reading about Samuel. And, 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 and he's a little guy and God's speaking to him for the first time. And God showed me something in all that. And he dealt with an attitude in me. And it brought, I'm telling you, first of all, I repented, but it brought this incredible life into me. And then uh, some of you will understand this, some of you won't. But, you know, it was about his words dropping to the ground. None of his words ever dropped. Everything he spoke through uh, that God said came to pass. And, and then God gave me a word, and I just began to speak that word forth. And, and, and it was about something I needed for my, it was amazing as it bubbled forth. And that's what happens. God deals with rebellion. Take a, look, take a look at this, guys. It's amazing. It corrects our mistakes. That's pretty cool. And then it train, training us to live God's way. And God just says, this is, this is how you should live your life. This is how you should run your race. And I love the word training. That's why I picked this translation. Listen to verse 17. Through the word we are put together. Listen to this. We are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. The task is your race. Now, notice what, what gets you ready for it. This is the exercise, all right? It says, uh, we're put together and shaped up. It gets inside you and begins to change you from the inside out. We call it renewing the mind. We call it all kinds of things. But it's just God begins to make us think like he does. It's absolutely amazing. And I love to go through life and read the Bible because it allows God to change Joe from carnal Joe to somewhat spiritual Joe. Not all the way, but somewhat. You know, last night we had a little girl in service. Um, she's going into ninth grade, so however old that is. And she, uh, she grew up Mormon, and she's sitting here, and she talked to me after service. She raised her hand and said, I accepted Jesus. And uh, she, said, she said, I don't know what happened. She said, I walked in, and she said, at first I was freaked out, not because of anything weird, she said, I never had worship music impact me. And she said, it's like something came over me. She said, it was amazing. And then she said, when you spoke, she said, it's like every word went into me. She said, I'd go to church every week and I've never had anything like this happen. And she said, it was radical. She said, I couldn't believe it, what, what, what God did in my life. And you know what happened? The word is alive. And man, I'm just so happy that happened to her. And I'm so happy God's changing us every time we're in church. So guys, here's the big deal. Close our eyes, bow our heads, let's pray. Here's the big deal. All of us are in different places. Some of you, spiritually, your routines, you're ahead of me. So I'm proud of you. Um, I'm going to try to catch you. And, and then others, you know, you're sitting here saying, man, I used to, but I stopped. Well, this is the day you say, God, I'm going to start up again. Uh, and then some of you, you say, man, I never knew that. But Pastor Joe, I, I want to begin to read my Bible on a regular basis, and I just want us to have that God moment right now. 
and I, I can't get inside you and speak to you, but God's dealing with hearts right now. And you can whisper, no one has to hear you, but whatever God told you, whatever he's dealing with, whatever you're feeling, just say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up it. To, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Just let God know I'm making a commitment today. Lord, I can't run this race without spending some time in the gym. And for some of you, it's like, all right, Lord, I'll do this. I'll get up a little earlier. Some of you are night birds, so you say, I'll do it at night. Whenever you do it, but Lord, I'm going to begin to put this into a routine. And just, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Have a God time. Lord, thank you for making it so real that every one of us has to have adjustments on a regular basis, Lord, and we thank you for that. And Lord, we just want to run our race to win. Father, if anyone's in here not being sure exactly what their race is, let this be the week you put things in their hearts and just show them where they can help you do what you're doing on planet Earth. And Lord, help all of us to love you more deeply. Open up our eyes to your, your love and loving you, Lord God, and I thank you for doing that in every one of our lives. Now, Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Guys, as we're in prayer, I just want to give one more invitation. If you're here today and you're not sure if you're forever, you're not sure if you were to die, if you go to heaven or hell, give me a couple minutes. Just listen to what I'm about to say. I'm not asking you to join our church or religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church or another type of church. And I'm not asking you if you didn't go to church at all. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult. Great things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a moment in your life where you realized Jesus is the Son of God and you prayed and accepted him and said, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior and I'm going to follow you. That's how we're, we become saved. That's how God puts his life inside of us. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember that day, but man, my heart's touched today like the young girl last night. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, I'm ready, would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them out? Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And today, I trust in Jesus. Jesus, I believe, I accept you as Savior, and I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen very carefully. If you prayed that prayer, you may not have felt anything. Sometimes you feel something, but most times you don't. But let me tell you a couple things that happened. God washed all your sins away. That's absolutely amazing, isn't it? You will not be held accountable for any sin you've committed uh, when you go to heaven. You just won't. God forgave everything. That's one of the reasons Jesus died. God just gave you the gift of eternal life. So when you die, you go up. That's absolutely amazing. Here's something else that's happening right now. Think about this. The Bible says when one person on planet Earth gives their heart to Jesus, that all of heaven celebrates. Think about that. God himself is celebrating up there. He's clapping. He's excited. Why? Because you've become part of his family. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.